0: Is up. This is John Nelson, and you're listening to Starting Block Podcast. If you're looking for a podcast that's going to cut through all the garbage and all the confusion of athletic training and get to the real nuts and bolts, then we are the show for you. This show is about giving you a raw, uncut look from our team into how to win as an athlete, a coach, and a parent. So I am here today with. My host and buddy Chris Scarborough. what's up, dude? What's up? And uh, we have a we have a good episode today. So this is Q and A. This is going to be our first Q and A episode. Um, we got a list of questions um, from you know all our uh, athletes and clients and uh, and audience. Um, and so this is what uh, Q and A is going to be. We're going to take three of these questions. And uh, Chris and I both give our take on it. Uh, Mandy is not here today. Normally, she would be asking us these questions, um, but I'll play uh, I'll play host and producer. And uh, yeah, so we're going to get right to it and uh, try to keep this thing under about 40 minutes today. Uh, so today's Q&A is really going to focus on the baseball side of stuff. Um, so question number one. Question number one was given to us by a high school pitcher. Uh, I don't know if this was uh, one of your guys or one of my guys, Chris, but they asked what muscle or muscles have a direct effect on your velocity. Oh, so okay,
1: well, good question. What you think? Well, is it a cop out if I say all of them? Uh,
0: yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. I know. So, uh, so
1: <laughs> let's so let's be honest. So answer
0: your question, bro. Everything. <laughs> so, all right. Question two. All of them. No.
1: Right. <laughs> So, well, I mean, if you, if you think about, it, of course, you, you could just say, well, you know, hip flexors, yes; hip extensors, yes; um, you know, trunk rotators, yes. Okay, like the obliques and such. Uh, you know, obviously, uh, to the to a lesser degree, you know, the, you know, the the quads, yes; the hamstrings, yes; the calves, yes. Um, you know, now we start actually working up to what people are concerned about: the arms. You know, the external rotators. Yes, that sets everything up for the internal rotators, puts them on pre-stretching, and and it sets up the sling. Well, I call it the slingshot effect. I mean, you can call it whatever you want. But it's really a – it starts from the ground, right? starts from the ground, starts working its way up the chain. Once you work your way up the chain, it's – you know, it one joint then sends the energy to the next joint, sends the energy to the next joint. And it's just it's almost like each each joint motion just compounds the next until eventually yeah. do you need your finger flexors? Absolutely you need your finger flexors. But let's face it, they don't add a whole lot to the velocity of the pitch, but they certainly help control the direction of the pitch.
0: Yeah, I think when I think when you start looking at the dynamics of pitching and what it truly is, you know, p- there's nothing special about pitching per se. It's it's simply just the art of releasing the ball. Like your brain knows how to throw. And you, you know the, the guys at ELP have heard me say this a thousand times. It's like When you were two, three years old, you just picked up a rock and threw it like you didn't go to a rock throwing class or take lessons to do that. Your your brain knows what to do. And so I think I think there's been an overemphasis on the mechanical side, but also the isolation component. And I think the big thing is the concept of tensegrity, you know, meaning that basically everything kind of works together. Um, and so when you look at pitching, especially when it comes to the arm, you know, um, don't get me wrong, like rotator cuff strength is important for sure, you know, but the arm is just simply where the energy leaves, not, not where it comes from. And it comes from everything else in the bottom. So I like, being able to have, you know, if you want to dig into the lead leg blocking and all that, that's you know, fine. But it comes from being able to gather the energy. And then, you know, as you go down the mound, stop and the energy transfers up through the hip and spiral, you know, the hip engine, the spinal engine, and then just exits the arm. And so, you know, I, I think you can't look at it from an isolated muscle perspective. And, and that that's how I evaluate it. Um, yeah. I mean, what do you think about that? No, absolutely. Chris?
1: So like I said, we basically uh, got very specific on my initial answer, which is all of them
0: it's so so hold on (coughs) excuse me yeah so uh, what muscles have a direct effect in velocity so when you look at it from the perspective of you know the arm and everything is just kind of where the energy leaves and that it is a full body type of movement it's just it's the facilitation of energy throughout the system you know i think a you have to understand you know what we just talked about. B is the muscles really serve as more of a stabilizing engine than anything, and where the energy transfer comes from is really more of the fascia and the reflexive component to it. But I, I guess if we had to really narrow some things down, I, you know, yeah, rotator cuff, sure, but like I think there's an overemphasis on band work, and I think there is not enough emphasis on the backside. So I would, if I had to say a muscle, you know, I would, I would say back chain work. So I would say hamstrings, glutes. You know, lats, lats, lower back area, um, rear delts, because you know, our our nervous system's only going to allow us to throw as fast as it knows that it can safely decelerate us from. So, like, without your lat, once you let go of the ball, if your lat wasn't there, then your shoulder would just fly off. You know, your arm would just fly off. It's so, like you've got to be able to strengthen that lat per se to help decelerate you. You got to have the hamstrings so when you plant. You are able to actually pull the body through and pull that energy through the hips and into the spinal engine. Um, you know, and, and the rear delts are, you know, are important as well, you know, and I think you're hitting all that with a lot of the band work and things too. So I don't really think there needs to be a total overemphasis on it, but I'd say, I think in my view, Chris, like, I think the weakest muscle I see on a lot of guys is, is the lat the The lat is always weak in my opinion. And, you know, I, I think we have to have a deceleration component to, to it. Oh, so, absolutely, That's my answer. Ham, hamstrings, butt, lats.
1: Hamstrings, butt, lats. Yes. Yes. All of those. And, um, of course, you know, that's on one side. And then of course you gotta have the hip flexor and everything on the opposite side. Cause remember we cross crawl. So we, you know, so once again, I mean, like I said, they all have to work. They all had better work in a coordinated, a coordinated pattern so that you can actually yeah. get the most, uh, out of each one of those joints. And um, yeah, there's not uh, there's not a muscle. Yes, I think you're right. There are certain areas that tend to be weak. You know what? And yes, do they need to be stronger on most athletes? Absolutely. Um, so, yep, find those weak links, build them up, but build build them up to where they coordinate with everything else. And there you go.
0: Yeah, yeah. You know, I I stole this from Louis Simmons, but. You know, I just, I like having guys do, I feel like you pretty much just can't do too much hamstring work. You know, I just, I think the hamstrings are important. So like, I really enjoy, like, or I I enjoy giving it. I don't know if the guys and, you know, ladies enjoy doing it, but I just like to do basic, like two to 300 lying leg curls, no weight, just laying on your stomach on the ground, two to 300, you know, at a time, a couple days a week. Um, you know, just cause I always feel like that back chain, the back chain is always weak basically. Cause we just live, everything's front chain dominant. So, you know, that's kind of, it's kind of one of my things, I guess you got to pick something random to do or focus on like get some extra hamstring work, not seated hamstring curls, you know, at, at your commercial gym, not that type of stuff, you know, but just a little extra hamstring work. Uh, I don't think ever heard Agreed. anybody. Agree,
1: Right. Absolutely.
0: <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah, so uh, that was that was a good question, man. Um, I hope that 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 helps you out a little bit. Uh, if you got a follow up on that one, uh, you know, let us know. Um, email it to us or message it to us, and we'll get to you. Um, all right, two other ones. Um, <laughs> which one do you want to go with uh, first, Chris? You want to go with the polls or you want to go with the uh, the overhead?
1: Um, all right, so let let's go with the overhead, and then let's let's hit polls last because that one's uh a little bit different than the other two. So let's let's hit-
0: yeah okay so the question was is overhead lifting for pitchers bad should you do it absolutely. yes or no i am in agree agreement yeah i'm in agreement with that i think you absolutely should i think timing and evaluation of it is important but yeah we would uh we're both in agreement that uh there's a time and place yeah. for it. so chris you i'll let you go first man go
1: um and I know that you're, you and your athletes do a lot of scapula work, scapula pull-ups. Mm-hmm. I cannot think of the last work I have ever had with any athlete where there was not at least one movement that was overhead, maybe more than one. Now, that doesn't mean it's the same over. It doesn't mean it's a standing barbell press. In fact, we don't, I can't remember the last time we did a standing barbell press, but... It might be a dumbbell press. It may be a water bag overhead. It may be an overhead run. Uh, It may be a scapula pull-up. It may be more than one of those things. It may be a push. It may be a pull. It may be a stability of something overhead. Something is done overhead with almost every athlete every single day, with a rare exception of an athlete who maybe has a medical – some medical reason for not wanting to put their arm over their head for a specific period of time. Um, but, yes, absolutely, you need to put your arms over your head.
0: So it sounds like what you do, it sounds like you're saying that the overhead component is kind of a part of something else you're doing. You're not doing as much like isolated overhead work. So like you say, a tank, like, I, like a tidal tank, for example. You know, like we have, we have some title tanks here, so title tank guys, there you go. There's a shout out. By the way, I need a new title tank. If anybody from the, uh, that company is listening, I got a hole in one. Um, but uh, so you want to send me one? That'd be great uh, for the uh, for the shout out here. But it sounds like Chris, that you, you say like you use it as part of other exercises. Is that kind of your your take on it, or you know, would you do more iso- isolated? Oh no, we work? we
1: rarely do isolated work. Um, so um, I'll give you an example something we do quite a bit of here. Um, and I don't know if this will be before or after this podcast, but George Benet with a pure motion. Um, we do a lot of work with, uh, say a single arm. Uh, basically it's a one arm, uh, clean and press. So is it, it is by no means a traditional Olympic lift, but it is a, an Olympic lift. Nevertheless, it involves, um, lunging it involves rotating it involves pulling it involves pushing um we'll, we'll get a video i need to get a video on here you know to uh to demo that but but it is a it finishes with the arm overhead now it's not specifically directly overhead like a like an overhead uh military press or something like that but pretty close to it um Tends to be one-sided, so you know, right arm is up, left legs in front, you know, that sort of thing. Um, We do that a lot. We do that quite a bit. Um, We do a lot of other rotational work with where the arms will either start or finish with the arms overhead. Um, So once again, it's the ending of a whole-body movement. So yes, uh, something involves legs, hips, trunk, finishes with the arm. Uh, the one possible exception you could say is a scat pull. I mean, yes, we do scat pulls. Yes, we do curl and presses, Mm -hmm. but even, I mean, think of something like a towel, curl and press, John, you know what I'm referring to there? The basic. Uh,
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: I mean, what upper body muscle is not involved in a towel, a towel, curl and press. If you do it correctly.
0: Yeah, I, I don't I mean,
1: know. I bet you if we put an EMG on your on your uh, abdominals, I think you will find them heavily involved in a properly executed towel yeah, yeah. And curl and press. So, yeah, even on something like that, I would say that you're talking about a every movement we do is a is in, is a compound movement, meaning some other you know many other joints of the body are involved um, than just the. You know than just the just say the shoulder muscles, for example.
0: Sure, do you do you get into any pre- prerequisites before going into any type of overhead lifting or any overhead I mean, just, movement?
1: As long as they're medically, cl- like, do you have any reason that you cannot put your arms over your head? Okay, unless you have been told for some reason, I have no idea what that reason would be you know, don't put your arms over your head or your, your left foot will break off. I I mean, I don't know. I'm just making some some ridiculous. Okay. um, Unless there's, there's some reason medically they should not be putting their arms over their head. Nope. We pretty much go for it. You know, like I said, there are, there are rare, a few rare exceptions, but.
0: Yeah. And and, and, I mean, like you said, I I, I agree with that. I think overhead overhead work for for athletes or pitchers is acceptable at at times like your are your sport requires that you're in that you go overhead. And so, you know, that can be a trainable feature as well. I think timing of when you do it's going to be very important. So obviously, as you know, you increase, you know, your your throwing increases, uh, the volume there increases, like obviously any type of, you know, um, heavy work needs to be, you know, cut down, but honestly, we don't do a lot of heavy overhead stuff anyways, but I think one of the things that, that I try to, I try to look at a lot is, you know, do you have the capacity to be able to do that? And I, I think, you know, like you said, like, unless you have a medical reason, I think when I, when I, which is true, but when I dive into it, like I'll definitely take a look at like the rotational capacity you know, of the glenohumeral joint. So, like, do they have adequate, you know, external rotation because the rotational component to the capsule is going to come before the linear component. So, you know, if if we have poor external rotation, then, you know, it's my opinion that you have no business doing anything overhead because you're going to be putting a ton of shearing force on that capsule. And so, it's just going to defeat the purpose. So, you, know, you can look at it from the external you know standpoint so if you're you know if you're watching the youtube video you can see where i'm going with it but then you know you also like i said rotational capacity before linear capacity but then you know you're coming into shoulder flexion i mean there's going to be a lot of people that can't even get their arm to their ear which i think is i mean it's basically the standard you know at least at bare minimum <laughs> to be able to get to that range of motion without compensation and and that's a big one like it does no good to get your arm overhead if you're having to hyperextend the lower back to do it. And if your rib cage is flaring out and you're trying to get the arm overhead, well, again, that's just compensation. So, you know, no, I don't think it's appropriate in that particular situation to be doing over to do overhead work. Um, I do think those, those qualifications need to be there um, in my, in my opinion. Now that doesn't, I think the type of work that you want to do you know, I don't really think the, you know, the military, you know, the barbell military press um, is going to be, you know, the, the best option for you. Um, you know, I don't think Arnold pressing uh, is going to be a great option for you either. Um, you know, but I, I think like seated, like seated shoulder presses, like from a neutral or like 45 degree standpoint, um, you know, but like a seated one, not, not like seated in a bench, but like seated on the ground where the emphasis isn't on the weight the emphasis is on the actual coordination of the body. So one of my favorite exercises is to have our athletes sit on the ground, like legs, you know, legs spread wide, keep them flat, go in that neutral 45 degree, you know, elbow angle, and then, and then go and press up that way. You're not, the emphasis is not on the weight as much as it's on the stability and the engagement of the rest of the body. Cause like you have to drive, you know, the legs down, like you have to engage the hamstrings or glutes or otherwise you're going to fall over. Um, you know, I like that. Um, I really like, uh, the, it's, it's a weird exercise, but I I like it. It's, it's, it's like an overhead shrug. Um, you know, and I, I got, I got that one from Cressy and I really like it. It's really weird though, but it's like, you know, you use a band, but you can use a rope on a cable machine. You step out and you get it, you get it overhead and it's, and it's basically like a, like a, you know, like a scapular hang. Right. But you're just, you're holding it up. And if you're watching me, I'm just, my arms are overhead and you're just basically shrugging up and down. So yeah, it's a little bit of an overhead move but you know it's not there's not a ton of compressive forces coming down on you cuz it's actually pulling it's like, it's a lateral flexion um you know and so you know i think those are two mm. two good options right there and then i think like you said doing doing some of the other stuff like uh you know um like the tile tanks or the water bags overhead you know from a kind of a stability standpoint um i think that's when it's appropriate but i i i, I don't think it's appropriate to be going like, full-blown shoulder day. We're doing military presses. You know, we're going to do Arnold presses. We're going to get you on the hammer strength, you know, shoulder press machine. You know, we're doing, like, cleaning presses or whatever. Like, I, that, that, right. that I don't think is appropriate. Right. No, I think totally that's a waste agree. of yeah. time. Yeah. yeah, it needs yeah.
1: It certainly needs to fit what they're capable of doing, uh, which you can assess pretty quickly. Um, yeah. You know, it does definitely need to fall into their capability. That said, you know, if something hurts you modify it. If it still hurts, then you remove it. Mm -hmm. If, um, you know, you know, that said, um, no, we, we almost always try to find things that are appropriate for that particular individual with the arms moving in the direction of overhead. So that, uh, you know, so the direction of overhead is, is, pretty critical now it may or may not be up there you know biceps to the ears but then again it might be
0: yeah i think yeah i I agree with you i i think another another one would be like it's overhead but it's not in the traditional sense that you think so so like actually laying you know laying down a prone position so face down right and working like in in range work so you know, how, like, if you are laying down on the ground with one leg or one leg, one arm, you know, above you right there, you know, what is your range of motion? Can you lift off? Right. So theoretically, that's overhead, but the compressive force is not coming down here, like towards the spine. The compressive force of gravity is actually coming down near the wrist and having you come back down to the ground. So like actually bringing that up to like a passive range of motion. So having somebody actually lift your arm up into like a passive range of motion and then letting go and you having to hold mm-hmm. that right there. And that, cause passive and active ranges of motion are going to be different. You know, or I mean, they shouldn't be, they really should be one for one, but a lot of times they will be different. Um, and so like passive range holds or like, or like hovers or liftoffs, um, you know, from your end ranges, like those, those could be, those are good substitutes for, for overhead, you know, overhead work as well. That's not going to put a ton of, Unnecessary pressure from weight, you know, on on the shoulder capsule. So once again, so back
1: to the original question of the baseball player, should you be doing things overhead?
0: Yes. Yes, you should.
1: Now, now, again, does it have to be, should it be modified in some cases, like what you're talking about? Prone, whatever. Yeah, sometimes. Absolutely. But your arms are built to go over your head. Plain and simple. So, mm-hmm. yep. If yeah, if you can't yep. get them there now, then we got to figure out a way to get them up there.
0: So, yep, agreed. So, yeah, yep, absolutely. Um, overhead overhead work should be uh, you know should be incorporated, but I think you you got to pay c- very close attention to the capacity and when you're doing it. Um, you know, in, in the middle of the season, it's probably not a good idea to be doing a ton of overhead work. You know, um, you know, especially loaded overhead work. Um, but, uh, so I hope that answers the question. Um, and, uh, yeah, moving on to our third and final question. <laughs> the question is actually, why are polls bad for you? Or why are running polls bad for you? But I guess I'll rephrase the question and say, is running, are running poles bad for you? Yes are or no? Ru-
1: just plain Chris? running polls. Well, you know, they're, no, they're not necessarily bad for you, but you're talking about for a pitcher, are you talking about for a baseball player?
0: I, I yeah, I mean, I don't know, I don't remember who gave us this question, um, but I, I I would say, I mean, just a okay. baseball player in so, general. Yeah, think, of, um,
1: think about all right, so you know? let, let's think about the dimensions of a baseball field. So let's just just briefly assume that that is a you know three hundred feet three hundred feet down the down the left field right right field lines. Okay, just to make the math easy. Is that, Okay, um, uh
0: uh-huh. So, what is that? I'm actually googling the distance because I actually don't know feet. the distance it's between like, the poles. It's like probably <laughs> four hundred plus feet. Would that be four hundred
1: plus feet? About I mean, four hundred plus again, feet. We're talking about a short field, a three hundred foot down down the lines uh, field.
0: Okay, okay. So we're talking about yeah. about four about four hundred oh, feet ish, give yeah. or give or take a little bit, right? Okay, so four hundred. Okay,
1: it's probably gonna be a little bit bigger than that in most fields. If you're going pole to pole, yeah. you're going four hundred plus feet. Well. What is the absolute furthest you would ever run at one time in a baseball ever run? Okay, let's say okay, what's the furthest inside the park home run? How far? How far would you run? Mm-hmm. Is it not ninety feet between? What
0: 100, 120? 120 yards? Or, yeah, yeah one hundred twenty. So uh, yeah, because because six, right. sixty so, is so, from home to second. Yeah, sixty is home to second. So second right, to home so, would be another sixty, right? Yeah, so that'd be that'd be one. That'd be okay, all so the way around would be one twenty
1: feet. Um, so 60
0: now 60 to first, 60 to it's 60 to first. It is Damn, dude, we got to get our party. measurements. Night. Oh, I, I got, I got a college, I got a college. Okay. So anybody was, I got a college, I got a college baseball player. So is actually a high okay, school so coach they, over here and he's getting me all confused. So somebody so. <laughs> over there saying
1: it's 60 yards from home base, from home plate to first. I'm sorry. That is absolutely not true. It is not that far. <laughs> it is. It's uh sixty yards, okay. sixty feet.
0: Oh man, I feel like we need to we may need to what? edit this part out, man. Okay, so here we go. Baseball field dimensions. <laughs> home to second. All right. So the baseline let's see, baselines, that doesn't help out at all. All right. Did you say you had the official measurement? You have the, the official okay, measurements over home there? Home first.
1: It is ninety feet on a standard field. All right. So yes. all the way around, from first to second, it's 90 yes. feet. From, from second to third, it's 90 feet. From third to home, it's 90 feet. So total, if someone's running all the way around the bases, that's 360 feet, all right? Now, now granted, you're all not right. going to be yeah. running in, in four straight lines, correct? You're not going to be running four straight. You're going to be running curves. Sure. So let's just give them the benefit of the doubt. If you're running a... a Home. If you're running a, a uh, inside the park home run, and you're just absolutely just killing it, trying to you know run as fast as you could, the furthest you would ever run in a game at any one time would be that 400 feet. Well, how so? How many poles is this person gonna? Are they being asked to run? Uh, is it one? Well, I could see that being justified, possibly. Uh, you know, it's uh. But anytime you run a distance, it makes you run over nine to ten seconds. You are training yourself. Yeah, that's to where run I was going. Slow, slower. It is anybody who says yep. they are sprinting for twenty seconds doesn't know what sprinting is, or they're lying. It's one of the two. It's one of the other. Right. Okay. There is no. S-
0: yeah, no, because yeah, because you're not, and the reason Correct. the energy systems don't work that if way. If you're going absolutely
1: yeah. all out, you cannot hold that all out for more than eight or nine seconds. Maybe some people can do it ten seconds. Yeah, but, but that's it. So yeah. let's just let's just make it safe and say ten seconds. You are not sprinting at your at your absolute highest level anymore. You're running at some speed below that. You might be running as fast as you can at that time, but it is not your fastest. So,
0: mm-hmm. so correct, exactly.
1: Anything, anything that takes you more than that ten seconds is training you to run slow. You know, so that's why.
0: Yep. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, it, it's it's putting you know, I mean, depending on how you do it, I mean, well, I guess never mind. Not even depending on how you do it, I mean, the bottom line is going to put you in a lactic state for a sport that's not in lactic. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of, it's a waste of time. Like like, like, I build on that point, Chris, like it's not going to be, your max speed is not going to go any, any longer than nine to 10 seconds right around there is when it occurs. So anything less or anything over that you're going to be, it's going to be sub max. And so you're going to be transitioning energy systems, transitioning muscle fibers and all that nerdy science stuff that I can actually talk about, but I can't add apparently. And (laughs) as as you guys know, so, um, (laughs) but but yeah, I mean, it, it doesn't serve a purpose. And you know, I think the old the old school way of saying like, you know, oh, it builds. You know, it, we got to have cardiovascular endurance. Bullshit. We have cardiovascular endurance in baseball. For it. you don't do anything. You you your play lasts ten right. seconds on average, maybe, and then you have at least 30, 40, 50 seconds to you know to rest. And I mean, that's that is how our energy systems recover. And so it, it literally serves no purpose. And so, and I think that goes into football too. Like I think football players are some of the absolute worst conditioned athletes on the planet. Um, you know, and that that's sad because it's the same thing. It, it's the same as baseball. You know, it's about four or five, six, seven seconds maximum, you know, effort or intensity, if that long. And then you got about 30, 40, 50 seconds rest in between. And at that point, everything can recover. And then you go sit down on the bench for, right. you know, 20 minutes sometimes. So I, I think, you know, so our running poles, you know, are, are they are they good for you? Are they going to help you build anything? You know, as far as the you know the energy demands of your sport, my opinion at that at that length, no, they're not in my in my opinion. Now, I think what what if you know we talk about like on the recovery side of stuff, Chris? So, you know, you'll hear a lot of you know let's go on recovery runs, and maybe maybe somebody's implementing you know lower level you know pole running, you know as a, as a way to try to flush out the lactic acid, which by the way, it's not lactic Mm -hmm. acid, but we can save that for another time. Um, you know, what's your Uh, thought on that?
1: I I don't, I don't think that works particularly well. I mean, if it were me, I mean, I'd probably, if I want somebody to recover, I I would do ISO extremes. You know, I I would not necessarily have them run holes or whatever. Now that said, I mean, it's, does it, Recover, maybe. Um, are there better ways to do it? Yeah, not much.
0: Yeah, I think there's better ways to do it. I, I don't. I don't know what the science, like what the exact literature says on the right. recovery side of it all the time. But you know, because I mean, you can get any yeah. study to say whatever you want it to say. I, I mean, <laughs> <laughs> trust the science. I'm going to throw that in every episode. I think. I think yeah. every episode I've I've right. dropped that. Like trust the science, people. Um, which we'll probably get flagged for. Um, but you know, shoot, I don't even know where (laughs) I was going. I totally lost my train of thought now, but, um, you know, like, yeah. So, I mean, we know, we know that submaximal effort is going to create inflammation. Submaximal effort is going to create inflammation. We know that velocity and speed are the, is the only trait that can really recover everything. And so you're left with the question of, okay, yeah, maybe you're increasing blood flow, but at the expense of what, like. Are you, are you not possibly creating just more inflammation, and you're already inflamed because you just played for, you know, three hours or whatever, um, you know, and, and that's my thing. Like, could it help? I don't know. I, I mean, I think there's a lot more efficient sure. ways to do it for sure. I agree. ISO, ISOs are probably the best well, my say, way. My favorite way. Yeah, I mean, what you we're going to say
1: both familiar with NewFit, uh, newbie technology, fantastic. Um, yeah, uh Arp wave technology. Yeah, name, great. Red infrared uh, yeah, absolutely. light therapy is is great. Um there's been a lot of things done yep. on those on behalf and I'm you know, I'm not trying to you know you know by the way, any red, infrared, y'all want to sponsor us, hey we'll we'll welcome you. But uh but there certainly there's a lot of literature behind that type of technology. Um uh oh, cold yeah. cold submersion. Um, you know, so putting on brain or strain, um mm-hmm. is it beneficial? I mean, I don't have a problem with it. But there's definitely no question that things like cold water immersion definitely helps because mm-hmm. it excites the those little energy parts of mm-hmm. yourself like crazy. at
0: At the time of the inner yeah. at the time of the injury, yeah, or right after, yeah. The consistent use we're going on a totally different topic. The consistent use of the ice is a, is right. A right. absolutely no, you know, no, but. Yeah. No, I'm right there with you. Like, you know, I, I prefer, you know, our athletes do, you know, do iso extremes, lengthen the muscle back out. You get the blood circulating there without creating inflammation because you are in an isometric, um, position, um, you get the blood moving. Um, but then yeah, the newbie, you know, and our boy is great as well, but yeah, the newbie, I mean, the master reset is huge because the master reset will act. It stimulates the parasympathetic system, to, you know, engage and, and that's what we need. Like the parasympathetics, the faster you can get to a parasympathetic or rest digest state, the faster the body recovers. And you're not putting unnecessary stress on the body. You literally lay there and let the newbie do its job. Or you could do, you know, like loosenings too, you know. Because ultimately, fatigue is nothing more than a muscle just shortening all the way. Like, that's all fatigue is. And so, that is a whole other realm of running poles. Like, if you're doing it to recover, you really need to, you need to understand what fatigue truly is. And fatigue is nothing more than a muscle that has just shortened as much as it can shorten. And so, if you're going out running poles, all you're doing is shortening the muscles again. Yeah. It's just, it's the same process over and over and over and over again. So, I think there's much, I agree. There's a lot more efficient ways you can go about the recovery process. You know, other than because going we out Because don't even and know poles.
1: if the question was geared about you know. recovery. We're, yeah. we're assuming it might have been. <laughs> no, it's just
0: did our running poles bad. Yeah, our running poles bad. So, uh, hey, you know, good. I mean, good enough. So, you know, are they good or bad? I mean, I'm gonna I'm gonna say they're on the side of bad just because the purpose is not. It's just, it just doesn't apply to to baseball. Yep. Uh, that, that's my that's my two cents. What's your conclusion ten, on that one, Chris?
1: I'm gonna give it a two.
0: There you go. Yeah. yeah. All right. You know, maybe we start doing that like yeah. zero to ten instead of just yes or no. I'm I'm all a very right. yeah, like course, no gray area we, we so It's make black the negative or white. Range. So. Hey, if we're trying to um,
1: no, I'm just joking.
0: No. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna put Olympic lifting in the right. negative so, range. I'll just go ahead and put that out there. Um Olympic lifting is a negative ten. Um, know, yeah, so that's uh that's where I stand on that one. Um all right, well that's uh that's all we got for today, uh, I think Chris. You got anything else you wanted that's to add great. in there? Uh,
1: look forward to uh, doing more of these Q and A's. Cool. Send them in again. Send uh, email, uh, by text, and send it by way of. Uh, um, uh, can they now? Did you say we can now uh, rate and review? Did you, John? Did you tell me that? The that? so rate review. So, yes hey, leave, leave yeah comment, uh, yeah you know in the in the uh, review and you know we'll we'll find it you know you want to ask us a, que- a question we'll find it and uh you know try to answer on the next q a
0: yeah yeah absolutely so yeah like chris said uh yeah go go give the show a rate please you know like i say like i say every show share the show and give us give us give us a rating i mean this is you know we do this for the coaches and, and the athletes and the parents you know who uh who want to get a start on, uh, you know, you know, true athletic development. So give, give us uh, give us a rating, uh, help us grow the show, uh, share it, send your questions in. Like Chris said, uh, you know, Instagram, his is a uh, fast underscore agile or fast yes, underscore fast and agile. Is there, what is it, Chris?
1: And underscore agile underscore 49.
0: <laughs> the- Okay, that's right. That's why you say And then, uh, you know, ELP word, elite level performance on everything. You can also email the questions in at info at elite or just drop it off in the, in the topic box here at our front door. Um, we'll try to do the QA, and uh, a couple more times a month. Uh, I know that was kind of one of the more highly requested shows. And, uh, yeah, keep them coming. And, uh, that's the show, guys. So go share the show. Appreciate you guys. Love you guys. Yep. Have a great day. See you, Chris.